Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. Our first lesson today comes from Genesis chapter 12, beginning in the first verse. And listen now to the Word of God. And now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took his wife Sarai and his brother's son Lot, and all the possessions that they had gathered, and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran. And they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. And when they had come to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Morah. And at that time the Canaanites were in the land. And then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. And so he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And from there he moved on to the hill country on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and invoked the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on by stages toward the Negeb. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Let us open our minds and hearts to what God may be sharing with us this day. The scripture comes from Luke, the 13th chapter, the 31st through 35th verse. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and say, they said to Jesus, get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus said to them, go and tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet can come and perish away from Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, killing the prophets and stoning those who are sent to you, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is forsaken. And I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Going out to the wilderness is something that many of us don't consider to be fun. Of course, there are people who 
do that for fun, they find excitement and uh, thrills in that. They like to test their limits. They might even like to raft a river or two that you may know about. But when we think about going out into the wilderness, um, it's, it's hard. Jesus went out into the wilderness to prepare for His ministry. After He was baptized, He went into the wilderness, and there He was tempted, and He prepared Himself for what would come next in His life. And in these days that we share before Easter, the days of the season we call Lent, it is a time of a kind of wilderness, maybe not one that is out outside, but maybe it's a time for us to think about how we are preparing ourselves to share the glory, the wonder, the, the power of God's life and love in Jesus Christ. The story of Abraham and Sarah setting out from the place that they had known into a new land of promise, they set out in going into a wilderness. They set out into uncertainty. They set out into a time of not knowing exactly what would come next, but they went. And I want us to think about their story. But before we move to that, I, I just want to remind you that the children of Israel, the story of Scripture, has a number of accounts where there are wilderness experiences of one sort or another. When you think about the children of Israel and being in Egypt and their journey through the wilderness that led to a land of promise, many things come to mind. Egypt was the place that they had gone to first because the people had a famine. The patriarch Jacob had a brood of children, 12 sons, one of whom was sold off into slavery in Egypt, but the others who grew and when they confronted a famine, they had to go to Egypt to find food that, was be, that would be there. That they could bring back and feed their families. The brothers who went did not know that the one they had sold, Joseph, had been sent off in captivity and had risen through the ranks, as it were, and risen to a place of authority and prominence. And he was able to provide for his family in ways that they could not have anticipated. And he did not hold harsh judgment against them, but he reconciled with them. And they were able to then have provision. But after Joseph and, and all of the kindred col collected in Egypt, years went by, and the Pharaoh who favored Joseph and his family died, and other pharaohs came and went. And then there was a period of time when the pharaoh did not remember Joseph and, in fact, enslaved the Egyptian people and made them captives and pushed them into harsh labor. And they prayed to God that they would be reconciled and they would be released from that captivity. And so God sent Moses to provide release and to provide a, a way of, for them to move forward. And they went into a land, they, they hoped, they left Egypt for the land of, of milk and honey, 
for the land of promise. But before they got there, they were in another wilderness, a wilderness that was difficult, and they complained, and they had a hard time while they were there. That's one kind of wilderness we, we hear about in the Scripture. There are other kinds as well. <clears throat> Do you remember Jonah? The story of Jonah. Jonah was told by God that, that he would go and deliver a message to the city of Nineveh. Tell the people of Nineveh that they had to repent, and if they did not repent, they would suffer God's judgment, and they would be condemned and destroyed. Jonah did not want to give the message. It's not that he didn't believe in it. It's just he didn't like the Ninevites, and he didn't want to go, and so he fled. He jumped on a boat, and he hoped to fly away or, or sail away, but on the way, his the storm came up, and the long story short is he ends up overboard in the belly of a fish. He ends up in a wilderness, destitute, and after three days he is regurgitated up on the, on the shore, and he asked the people, or he asked God for, for forgiveness, and he says, I'll go. I don't want to go, but I'll go. And he goes and he tells the Ninevites, repent or be destroyed. And you know what? They do. They respond. They are happy to repent. But Jonah, Jonah is not happy they have done so. And he enters his own wilderness away. He pouts that God has provided forgiveness and grace. The children of Israel in their wilderness and Jonah in his wilderness of rejection of what God had offered, they both, though, were provided by God. In the wilderness of, of the Sinai, the children of Israel complained that they had no water, they had no food, and God took them to springs, and God sent manna from heaven and quail from heaven. Jonah complained that God had provided um, re repentance and had, had offered new life to the Ninevites, and he sat and pouted, but God provided a tree to grow up next to him that would provide him shade. Even in all those circumstances, in these Old Testament stories, God cares and God provides. It is an amazing thing. We sometimes enter wildernesses of our own volition. We sometimes enter wildernesses because of circumstances that surround us. No matter, though, how we enter the wilderness, it is not uncommon that people complain. That the people complain in one way or another. We complain about not having enough. We complain about other people. We complain about our leaders. We will even complain about God. There was a hint of that even this morning in the, in the passage from Luke. Jerusalem, you kill your prophets and you stone those who are sent to help you. It is as if Jesus is saying, Jerusalem, you would prefer to complain and grumble and whine than receive the goodness of grace and care that God offers. Consider even how 
A hen gathers her brood. She stretches out her wings to provide and protect for them. Yet you, you people resist even such grace and care. And we do. We do. Let's return to the story of Abram, though, and Sarai, and consider that this morning. What would it have been like to have that conversation between Abram and his wife, Sarah, after God had come and visited him? Imagine, they both arrive home after their day's activities. Abram is 75 years old, and Sarah isn't much younger. They don't have children, but they have lots of relatives. So Sarah says to Abraham, so Abe, how'd it go today? Ah, well, uh, oh, okay, okay. What do you mean, just okay? Well, well, you know, uh, there were some strange things that happened. What's strange out in the field? You have a bunch of herds of, of goats and sheep you're taking care of. What's going on here? Well, well, well I, had a, I had a visitor. You had a visitor? Yeah. Uh, uh, the Lord showed up. <laughs> the Lord? Well, tell me about it. Well, you, you see, there's something I need to tell you. Okay, get on with it. Tell me. Uh, 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 you, you know, well, 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 the Lord said we need to move. We need to move. You're 75 years old, and I'm not much younger. We've made a good life here. Read, read, the 11, read our family history just in Genesis 11 all our generations that took us to get here, and we're happy, I'm happy, I don't want to move. So, 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 so you say we have to move? Yeah, and Abe says, yeah, um, that, that, that's the word that comes. We have to move. Well, where are we going? Well, it, it's not exactly clear. To the land the Lord will show us. That's, that's, what he, that's what the Lord said, to the land that I will show you. Well, where's that? I'm not quite sure yet. So you're telling me that we have to move, we have to leave the place that we've known, that we've taken all these generations to get here, and we have to relocate, and you're not sure where we're going. What are you going to do? Well, the Lord said... I'm going to be a blessing. Yo, you're going to be a blessing. I'm going to be a blessing, and, and you and I and our children are going to be a blessing. Our children? Okay, so we're going to be a blessing. So, so what does this new gig play? What does it pay to be a blessing? Well, that's not there either. So, so you just get deferred compensation. There's no signing bonus. There's nothing else. I may have gone a little over the top there, but I think you get it. This notion that, that God comes and tells Abraham that he has to leave the place that he has known to go to a land 
that is a new place to strike out in a new way, that he and Sarah's descendants will be a blessing, not only to themselves, but to the whole world for all time. It's a lot. And yet, in this passage, hinges so much of the story of faith, the story that brings us here together to this corner, to this time, to this day. That story brings us here. Because God offered provision. He offered provision to Abraham. Go where I will show you. Go. The words of Jesus, the promise to Abraham, they are ways for us to live into the faith and the promise and the hope that we are given. We may not want to. We may resist that in different ways, and yet it is there. A number of years ago when I was going through a somewhat difficult time in my own life, I took my devotional guide, which I was using at the time, this little book here, that has, um, every week it has a list of daily readings and a prayer, some prayers, some reflections, and, and a hymn to reflect upon. And I looked, and it's arranged by date. And the date came up for the reading of Genesis 12, 1 through 9. And I heard that reading in a fresh way that morning. Go. Go from the land that you know to a place that I will show you. Go from what is comfortable, from what is routine, from what is secure to the place that I will show you. There are two things that grab my attention about this. First, God is saying to Abraham, go over there. God did not say, come over where I am. God said, go where I will show you. And the second is, be prepared to leave some things behind. Be prepared to move to things that may not be as familiar. It is easy for us to become encrusted with tradition, with our structures, with our heritage. And I want to affirm those things because those help provide meaning and, and, and help us navigate our daily lives. And I am as guilty of that as anyone. Words that become familiar, though, are not just instructions to abandon commitments and relationships. Rather, I think that today, here in Columbus, Georgia, and wherever we may be, we can hear these words afresh. We can be thankful for the legacy of faith that has brought us here. And at the same time, we can be open to the reality that God may be using us in new ways. We have our ancestors in faith. We have those who have gone before us that we look back to, our heroes, family members, other people in, in the world that we look up to. But there are those 
who are living downstream from us that we will not know, that we will never engage in life, that, that will live beyond our lifespan, and for whom they will look back to us. So we are in a moving stream. We are in a way of transmitting faith and life and hope through Jesus Christ, not simply to those around us, but to the world. And we need to be open that sometimes the patterns that have been done in the old ways might be new possibilities. Recently, I heard a story, an illustration of this. It was a preacher's story. The preacher went and visited, it was, was a visiting preacher in a church, and he noticed that when the congregation stood up to recite the Apostles' Creed, as we did, we will in a few minutes, they turned their back to him and they faced the back wall. It was blank. And, and he asked about that afterwards. He said, What's, what is this? Why do people stand up and turn and face the back wall? Well, years ago, before we had bulletins, we wrote the Apostles' Creed on the back wall. So people stood up and turned around so they could read it. But it wasn't there anymore. But they still did it. We need to think about what's on our back wall in a metaphorical sense. What are we standing around and looking at that's no longer there? How do we listen to what God is saying through Abraham to, to Abraham? Go to the land that I will show you, not to a land where the wall has been painted over again, but to the land that's out there, the land at the corner of First Avenue and 11th Street, the land in the corner of the city of Columbus and the state of Georgia and into Alabama and into the world. How is God calling us and telling us to go? to go to that land so that we may be God's emissaries and share God's love and God's goodness. For we know that what Jesus shared with Jerusalem is true. God's love expands and covers and cares for us. Go from what you know into the places that I will show you, says the Lord. And when you do, I will provide what is needed. Thanks be to God. Amen.